comeback <laughs> yeah um, is the point of this show really to misuse bible verses well of course it is because this is <laughs> you stop that stop what stop <laughs> leaving your sentences open-ended every time you do the audience screams <laughs> Helen, do you think you can win this game? Oh, yes, I know I can, because God said in Jeremiah 29, 11 that he has plans for me to prosper. <laughs> That's right, he did. You <laughs> just can't say that. Sure she can, because she just did. And she gets another 29.11 points. I don't even know who Jeremiah is, but the verse is on my coffee mug. <laughs> Lots more to come here on Twisted. But first, a message from this pastor. All right, we continue in our series, uh, Twisted, right? I'm Pastor Bob, Senior Pastor here. And uh, what we've been doing over these weeks is uh, taking some of these uh, well-known, popular uh, Bible verses that often uh, just get uh, twisted uh, a little bit away from the truth, right? And uh, today is no different. Uh, the verse we look at is probably going to be a verse you're, uh, you're familiar with. And, and i got to admit to you uh, this morning that uh, of all of the, the messages, uh, this verse for me... Uh, is the hardest one uh, to untwist, right? Uh, and it's the hardest one, not because somehow it's this tremendously difficult text, uh, and not because somehow I'm not smart enough, I hope, right? Uh, no, I th- it's just a difficult one because I just love this verse. This is an awesome verse. I mean, what we're going to look at, this is just an incredibly good verse, and there's some great truth in this verse. But it also is a verse that often, often, often gets twisted. You ready for the verse? There it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Is that an awesome good verse? How many people have it on their mugs, their coffee mugs? Ah, come on, you got it on your plaque somewhere in your house, right? I mean, this is just an awesome good verse, is it not? I mean, we like this verse because there's some great, great, great truth inside the verse. But there's also an opportunity in here uh, to take the verse and just twist it that little bit away from the truth. And usually when that happens, it happens around one particular phrase in this verse. Any guess what the phrase is? Plans to... You got it. You've seen it. You know this, right? I can shorten this baby up, huh? You got it, right? Plans to prosper, right? That's what we do. And it happens all the time, right? Plans to prosper. Oh, man, that is awesome. You mean God has plans for me to prosper? And I automatically, immediately translate that into financial prosperity. Amen, right? Yeah, you bet. That means I've got in writing a written guarantee from God that says if I'm faithful, He's going to prosper me. He's going to provide for me in generosity. God is going to make sure that I am wealthy and prosperous beyond all people of the world. You know where I'm going with that, right? Have you heard that before? Right? You just give me a seed. Just plant that seed in this ministry. I like doing that sometimes. It's kind of, it's kind of, anybody else want to try it? No, okay. It's, it's kind of fun, right? But the trouble is, that's what happens out there, right? That's, we, we laugh because, unfortunately, that's what happens to this verse. 
And what's sad about it is there is a truth that runs underneath that. We, we know it from other scriptures. There's a truth that says God wants to provide for us. He wants us to prosper. That's true. He does. You know, he says, hey, you, you, you people that are parents, you give to your kids. You want good for your kids. Well, I'm your heavenly father, your parent. I want good for you. I want to provide for you. See, there's an underlying truth that runs, runs underneath it. The trouble is... We twist that truth just that little bit, right? We twist that truth just that little bit. And we take it away from ultimate truth. We make it self-serving truth. So let's understand the text, right? Let's get into it. Let's understand Jeremiah 29, uh, 11. And let's look at what we do, right? Remember, as we're going through this, we start with looking at context uh, and then we look at what other scripture has to say, and then we ultimately ask some questions about what, what does this mean now, right? Okay, so let's look at, at context uh, for us. Okay, folks, can you click me ahead? Because I'm not clicking up there. Our context is Jeremiah 29. Uh, and there it is. Now I click. Jeremiah 29. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah gives you the context, the circumstances under which he's speaking uh, this word. And it's uh, from a letter that the prophet Jeremiah uh, sends, right? And it's not that he's sending a letter, it's to whom he sends the letter, right? So this is a text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, there's the context. Now, remember that. I've underlined that so you can remember it. That elders thing is going to come up later. The surviving elders among the exiles. What's the context? Well, here's what's happened. Back in around 597 B.C., during that period, God's people had ignored him. Years and years and years, they had ignored him. They had wandered away from him. They had stopped listening to him. They had stopped walking with him. They were all absorbed in themselves, and they got absorbed in other gods. And, and they just walked away from and were ignoring the true God. And so around 597 uh, B.C., the Babylonians come into Jerusalem and they conquer Jerusalem. And as they conquered Jerusalem, they gathered up the priests, the elders, the ruling party, the ruling group, uh, the tradesmen, they gathered up all of these people, around 3,000 plus at least. They gathered all these people up, and they transferred them into exile into Babylon. And so you've got some folks who are left back in Jerusalem, but you've got a whole bunch of people that were transferred over and resettled in Babylon, and they are now in exile. And what do you suppose the question is they're asking? How could this happen? We're God's people. How, how, how in the world could this happen to us? We're, we're God's people, and God is supposed to take care of his people. We're God's people. We're supposed to prosper. How could this be? How could God let this happen to God's people that we are now in exile? As if somehow God's only function was to make sure that they prospered. They wandered away from him. They ignored him. 
They wandered to other gods, and now they're in exile, and they wonder, how come? How could God let this happen? After all, we're his people. If you go to Jeremiah 28, the chapter right before our verse, Jeremiah 28, you get the experience of Jeremiah interacting with another prophet named Hananiah. And Hananiah is a prophet, only he looks at the experience that God's people are going through. He looks at that experience and he says, well, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, You're going to be in exile, but here's the good news. The good news is you're only going to be in exile for two years. That's it. That, that, you know what? This is just a little slap on the wrist. This isn't anything big, little bump in the road. Yeah, you're going to have some exile time, but that exile time, only a couple years, and then prosperity's back. You're going home. Everything's going to be fine. It's only a couple years. Have you heard today in our culture, we, we get this phrase going out there, especially in the political world uh, now, about fake news? Heard that term? Fake news. Big term now. Fake news. Right? Well, this is fake good news. Right? Hananiah is giving them fake good news. He's trying to lessen what God is doing. And he's trying to keep it all about them. Oh, it's okay. You're going to go back. God's going to take care. You're going to prosper. Everything's just, just a couple years. Just a couple years. The prophet Jeremiah in chapter 28 says, no, this is serious stuff. And Hananiah, you are twisting what God is doing. Yes, God is going to bring them back. Yes, that's true. There's a truth that underlies it. But you're twisting it because it's not going to be just two years. And so he pronounces a judgment on Hananiah. He says, listen, Hananiah. The Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies, to trust in that little twist of the truth. And so he pronounces judgment on Hananiah and says, Hananiah, that's going to cost you your life. And in chapter 28, Hananiah dies. Then we get chapter 29. In verse 10, which is the verse right before our verse, Right right before our verse, Jeremiah proclaims the good news, the truth. He says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon. How many years? 70 years. Hananiah was saying two. Jeremiah says, uh-uh. 70 years. Okay, now remember what I told you earlier. This letter was written to who? To the... Elders. Now, there may not be many of us in the crowd. Elders, huh? May not be many of us in the crowd. But those of you who qualify in your self-perception as elders, take your age and add on 70 years. What does that tell you about your prospects of going home? Right? Uh-uh. Not going to happen. Right? Not going to happen. What's going on? Jeremiah is telling him the truth. There's good news. There's great news in the truth. But he's also telling him, for them, they must go through an experience and a period and a season of exile. 
the good news, they will go home. Some of them, yeah, God's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to take care of them. He's going to bring them back to Jerusalem. Yes, but 70 years. And that means they have to go through the experience season of exile. And then following our verses, he emphasizes that even for those who are back home, right back in Jerusalem, those who didn't get exiled. And he's talking about them and he's saying, listen, there's going to be sword, famine, plague. Abhor- they're going to become a whore in all the earth. They're, they're going to be an object of horror. They're going to scorn. Does this sound like prosperity? Not a lot, right? Right? For they have not listened to my words, declares the Lord. Words that I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets. And you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. What is the heart of the problem? You see, they're going through a period of exile for a purpose. And the purpose is prosperity, but not financial prosperity. The purpose is prosperity of relationship. They're going through a season of exile because they had walked away from the Lord. And now the exile becomes a good gift of opportunity for them to return to a right relationship. The exile is absolutely important and necessary for them to regain the prosperity of relationship. And it comes right after verse 11, right? So our key verse is verse 11. Look at the good news in verse 12 and 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That is awesome good news. Even in the season and the experience of exile, God promises them the opportunity for relationship prosperity. That in the exile, God is going to enter in and be there, and God is going to regain his people. The exile becomes the opportunity for the restoration of the relationship. You follow that? What's that mean for us? Some of you are in some exile right now. You're going through some hard stuff. You're going through some difficulties where you are like those people of Israel saying, wait a minute, I love the Lord, I follow the Lord. How can this be happening to me? And the great good news, the great good news is that God enters into seasons of exile. God enters into seasons of exile. And he is with you and he will be with you. It says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways do what? Submit to Him, and He will make your path straight, even in exile. Even in exile. All right, let's figure that out even more. Let's learn that, learn that truth from some other scripture, right? So that's a truth for us, right? That we will go through seasons of exile. We'll go through seasons of struggle. Uh, We'll go through seasons of difficulty and suffering. But the good news is God is with us in those seasons. We get it from 2 Timothy 3, right? In contrast to the prosperity kind of gospel. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, In fact, it's a fact, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Does that sound like prosperity? No, right? We, We should expect that, right? We should expect that that's going to happen in our lives as we follow Christ. It's part of the walk, 
Right? We should anticipate that. But equally, the great good news, when we seek him, we're going to find him. He's going to be with us even in exile. In uh, Philippians, Paul says, I love this one, in verse 27, whatever happens, say the words, whatever happens. Do you believe that? Whatever. Whatever? Yeah, whatever. Whatever happens. How much is whatever happens? That would be whatever happens, right? I mean, whatever, whatever happens, mountaintops, moments of joy and pleasure, or deep valleys of discouragement and despair, whatever happens, whatever, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What's the point? Whatever happens, we belong to Him. Whatever happens, we belong to Him. And He is with us, even in the seasons of exile. And you go to the end. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also also to do what? Suffer for Him. Suffer for Him. It's an amazing truth. It's great good news. That He is willing to be with us even in the seasons of our exile. And those seasons of exile can even be for our benefits. Those seasons of exile can even build us and encourage us and strengthen us and create us into maturity. Look at what he says in James. Consider it pure joy. Now get this. Notice that. Consider it absolute pure joy. This is supposed to be good. Consider it phenomenal, pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Quick quiz. How many in the room want to not lack anything? <laughs> Amen. That's prosperity, right? That's incredible prosperity. Man, you, somebody come up to you and say, well, you, you know, I've noticed you don't lack anything. <laughs> That's amazing prosperity, right? How does it come? How does it happen? It happens even and especially with seasons of exile. Seasons of exile. The great good news of Jeremiah is for us today that when we go through seasons of exile, we can seek him and we will find him and he will use even those seasons of exile for our benefits. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, all things, all things, whatever, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Key point at the end, called according to his purpose. You see, here's the key twist of Jeremiah 29.11. When we read, when we hear Jeremiah 29.11, and we think only about that prosperity phase, what do we do? We twist it and say, there, see, God is here to provide for me, right? God is here to provide me with prosperity. And the truth is, no, we are here to live to his glory. He's not here for us. We're here for him. Our lives are his. If you've already surrendered to Christ, your life is no longer your own. It belongs to him. And you're here to go through whatever you go through for his glory, for his purpose. Jeremiah 29 says he's got plans. 
That's the point. He's got plans. And those plans are always going to be for his glory. Look at Jeremiah 29 again, 1 through 4. Amazing, amazing comparison here, right? It's the beginning of that letter. It says, look, here's the letter. And the exiles, the priests, the prophets, and the other people. And then it says, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, all those people. Now look down at verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What? Who carried him into, into exile? Because one verse says Nebuchadnezzar did it. The other verse says who did it? God did it. What? God did it? Yes, God can use even exile, even the periods of our suffering, even the difficulties in our life. He can use those experiences in His plans according to His purpose for His glory. Our life is not our own. It is all His. And even in exile, we find Him. we got some young people today that are going to come to the altar for the first time. That's awesome, incredible good, right? And they're going to meet Christ at the altar today. And you know what? They will be able to meet Him every single time whether they're in a season of joy or a season of sorrow. They're going to be able to meet him every single time because he's willing to meet us in whatever we experience. Jeremiah 29, 11. Think about it again after we've talked. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see how big that verse is? See, we hone in only on that one little thing, that plan to prosper thing. But look how big that verse is. The point is, he's got plans. And we're part of it. Our lives are part of something bigger than ourselves. And our suffering and our sorrow and our joys and our exhilaration are all part of something bigger than ourselves. Look at 1 Peter If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That means all things are for His purpose. All things are for His glory. Our seasons of joy and our seasons of sorrow, they still serve Him. Amen? Think about that. Think about how different we are as God's people. Seasons of joy and seasons of exile, they still serve Him. Here again, Jeremiah 29, 11. Think, 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 think. And notice what he says at the end of the verse. For I know the plans I have for you. He's got plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans, yes. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. You're his kids. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, we often forget that last part. And here's the truth, a great good news truth. Sometimes we can't discover hope and we can't discover our future except for going through exile. Sometimes we can't discover our hope And we can't discover our future except for going through exile. So here's the questions for you today, the things to think about for today. Big one. 
Is there an exile God needs to lead you to? See, so often we say, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to go to exile. Right. Maybe exile is exactly where you need to go. Because you've been overwhelmed by so many things in the world, by so many other things that have crowded God out of your life. And you just need to have a period of exile where God can move in and reclaim you. What's an exile that you just need to welcome into your life? And how can your exile prosper your witness? How can that exile, that season of exile, serve not just for you to meet God, but how can it serve so others can see God? How can that experience of exile that you need to just find your way through knowing that He's with you, how can that season not only mature you and grow you and complete you, but how can that extend into somebody else's life beyond yourself? And then three, what future will bring God glory? As you think about those plans that God has for you, those plans are always going to be for His glory. So you've got to ask the question, what about your plans? Are your plans that twisted plan of Jeremiah 29, 11 that says it's all about me? Or are your plans about bringing God glory? Are you ready to use your life up for his purposes? Jeremiah 11, he's got plans. And part of those plans is to bring us a hope and a future. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much that we can trust you in uh, absolutely uh, everything, all things. And Lord, we, uh, don't, we don't look for those periods of exile, but we know that they come. And sometimes we just need to welcome them with open arms because they will be that place that we discover you more clearly and we uh, experiencing your, your power and we know your forgiveness. Lord, you let your son come into the world. You let Jesus go on a cross. You let him experience the exile of that moment when he said, why have you forsaken me? And in that, you won our forgiveness. So, Lord, we pray today, help us. Help us to let go of our lives as well and to let our lives be all about you, that those plans you have would be for your glory. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.